folks, you're always in for a treat when you hear that tune because it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. But boy, are you in for a treat this week. Uh, you may not know why if you're listening at home, but if you're tuned in right now to our YouTube channel, you're watching it live for free. And I hope you're clicking subscribe down there because that helps us out a lot. But you know already, we're talking to Daniel freaking Negranu today. So we got a couple announcements to get to first. We've got some fun panelists here on the show. They're going to ask some questions and get to know real kid poker and what makes them tick. Um, but first, I just got to tell you, I've got the best job in the world. I'm the luckiest little bugger out there. My name's Jim Reed. I'm Bluffsterini in the home games and pretty much everywhere. Um, and you can find out more about me by going to rec.poker slash crew, where you can also learn about all the rest of the wrecking crew members here. We'll get to them in just a second. I got to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, and of course, Website Amp. And I got to thank our premium members, um, a couple of which are Jack and Jill Burke. And Jack and Jill have been uh, fans and uh, supporters for a long time. Jack and Jill went up the rec poker hill. They found some knowledge. They've had a great time. And I just hope they never go rolling back down again because we love having them in our corner. And Jill, I remember that conversation in Vegas. That one stuck with me. So thanks again for a great time there. Um, uh, Premium members here at Rec Poker get all sorts of perks. It's only five bucks to join. Um, You can play in a bracelet event for free. This year in the WSOP, we're going to do a draw on June 1st for who's going to be my partner. All you got to do is uh, be a Rec Poker Premium member. Um, There's going to be a new weekly sit and go starting on Tuesday nights brought to you by Fun Country, where nine premium members get to take uh, take on each other and win a cash prize, which is going to be a lot of fun. And Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino is having Rec Poker Weekend. On June 24th and June 25th, get yourself down to Minnesota and hang out with the Rec Poker crowd, win some fun prizes, and have a great time. Speaking about having a great time, we are so excited to have Dean Eggs himself here on the show today. It's not his first time. He had such a good time last time. He had to come back. Uh, So we're going to meet him. First, why don't the rest of the Wrecking Crew introduce yourselves and tell Rec Poker Nation where they can find you. Uh, well, I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter or 5x5 on the Poker Stars home game. I'm Keith Brandt, and I'm Monkey System everywhere. I'm Rob I'm- Washam, and I'm Rabman50 everywhere. I'm Mark Krishan. I'm website Mark on Rec.Poker and website Amp in the home game. Hey, everybody. My name is Woody Adams. I play as Rocket Box on Poker, Bar- Poker Stars Pennsylvania, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woody Adams. All right. So uh, many time veteran uh, WSOP winner, uh, WPT winner. He's in the Poker Hall of Fame and uh, he's back on the Rec Poker Podcast. Daniel, you've listened to me talk for the last few minutes. Thank you so much for coming on. I want to start hearing from you. Where are you calling from today? Where are you? Well, so I'm at home. This is just the backdrop, but I'm really confused that you said this is free. People are not paying for it. Then how do you afford my $150,000 appearance fee? Oh. By the way, I haven't gotten it yet. Oh, oh well, I could have sworn we sent it. Uh-oh. I didn't get it. So I don't know. Like, if I don't get it in the next six minutes, we're going to have to cut this short. Yeah, you're going to have to talk to Chris Jones about that. He handles all the business side of things Chris here. Jo- so, Chris yeah. Jones, yes. Where do you get the money to cover the 150? Because you know I don't do a podcast for free. Come on now. It's, that's, uh, it's, it's working its way through the, you know, it's oh, an yeah. intricate financial transaction. Just working its Shouldn't way through. Shouldn't be a system. problem. I've heard yeah. that. Right? Shouldn't <laughs> be a problem. Yeah, we're shipping that over in Luna right now. I got a really good feeling about this one. Should be all set. Great. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's true, though. I mean, how do we do all this great stuff for free? How do you make yourself so available to the poker community? Like, obviously, you you're you're a huge hit. You're a you're a famous player. You you spend time talking to people and sharing your knowledge. Talk a little bit about just sort of like what's it what's it like to be a poker celebrity? Yeah, so I mean, it's a good question. Like, you know, frankly, right now I'm doing a lot of twiddling my thumbs because <laughs> the World Series of Poker is like two weeks away and I cannot wait. I wish it was tomorrow. Mm. Having said that, a lot of different people have been reaching out to do podcasts and different things. So I have a schedule. I put it in my calendar and I'll do, I try not to overload myself. So for example, there's another, there's, I'm doing a poker lesson tomorrow and then I'm doing another podcast and I don't want to put them back to back to back because I find, you know, 40 minutes, an hour I can do. But, you know, if you start to go back to back on the last question, you're like, yeah, I answered this before. I'm like, not to me, you know, the other <laughs> podcast, right? So, I mean, listen, I do what I can. I don't find, I, it, it's so easy, frankly, in the society we live in now where I can do it from the couch, right? This, which is where I am actually right now. Rather than, um, you know, if you guys said like, meet me in studio somewhere. Right. Like, uh, this, this is going to be a hard interview to get. <laughs> you know, to be honest. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's working out great so far. Uh, and if anyone is uh, watching on YouTube and you want to have any questions for Daniel, just type right into the chat there and I'll get to it. And ditto for the members here in our uh, chat, just unmute and uh, and you can jump right in. Um, one question that I have right off the top, Daniel, is uh, you've been in the game a long time. I've watched you come up, you know, being a Toronto guy, you know, you've been on my radar, obviously, forever. Um, now, sort of looking at it, you've got another WSOP coming. What what do you get excited about? Like, what actually excites you about the game of poker these days when you've seen it all? Yeah, so my poker schedule is very polar. Uh, it's, it's very polar because, like, either I'm grinding my butt off or I'm not playing at all. There's a very <laughs> discrepancy between the two. So what I look forward to most is, like, getting into the grind. Like, mm. I love the grind. I like the – I mean, this is maybe sadistic a little bit, but I kind of like the idea of being exhausted and on fumes and, like, giving it everything I got day in and day out, dealing with the beats, dealing with the high stress situations, having people in, cause you know, you walk into the world series, everyone's happy on day one. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you, Bob. Hey, Jim, how's Chris? Two weeks in, you're like, get the fire out of my face, you know? And there's all the, the fights coming in about four weeks. But the greatest thing about the world series of poker is, you know, halfway through, as I said, people are miserable, but the day that it's over is like the worst day of the year for a poker player. Cause you can't wait to do it again this year is different than most because we have a short turnaround you know we just mm. had one fall so now you know it's it's back to its uh, regularly slated time slot so it was a short turnaround and you know it, it it's going to be a big one because it's different too new venue for the first time in over a decade yeah, and this is going to be a, a new one. I want to talk a bit about uh, how you kind of prepare when you're down there and how you kind of conserve your own energy and your focus and that sort of thing. Um, folks that are listening along probably know you've had an RV in the past, like a trailer down there that's helped you uh, take your breaks and, and compose yourself. Um, that's not going to be available this year, parking or union rules or something like that. Um, so what are you going to do differently because it is all that different uh, for you to kind of stay on your best game? Well, here's what I'm a big believer in, whether it's poker, or whether it's life. I've learned that like, you know, in the past before I really had to sink in, I would show up to Barcelona, you know, and I'm a vegan and I'd be pissed off because there's nothing for me. Right. I'm like, you know what? How about take it upon yourself? Right. Instead of being a victim to circumstance, plan ahead. Right. So obviously, as you mentioned, you know, I went down there to look for to see if there was a spot to park an RV. It's not feasible. So I've been working with them and I found a green room that is within walking distance. So I basically said, here's what I need. I need a couch, I need a fridge, and I need a microwave. 
right? And some people might be like, well, you know, why do I need that? And then you, you talk, you touched on breaks a little bit and there's, they're imperative for me. I'm actually a classic, what's called a talkative introvert, which means I charge my batteries when I'm alone and I need that. When I'm with people, I expend energy and I drain myself. So on dinner breaks, I don't go to dinner with people. I haven't had a meal with a human being at the World Series of Poker in over a decade. I'm not even <laughs> like I need the I need that time away. So, so as I said, most you know to answer your question, I plan ahead, you know, and I'm going to go down there this week and really just sort of get my bearings and think, all right, how am I going to do this? Because the breaks are sacred for me, right? I get people coming up often and saying, you know, hey, can I get a picture? Can I chat? And if I did that on the breaks. I wouldn't have a break, right? Because it's only 15 minutes. So mm-hmm. I always tell people, you know, if you want to say hello, do so when I'm in, in between hands. Say, hey, Daniel, you know, and I'll look over and I'll, and I'll come by if I get a chance. But often people out of respect are like, you know, I want to wait till your break. And I'm like, this is like, I get it and I appreciate it, but it's the worst possible time, <laughs> for, you know, for me to talk to you. So if you are watching this and you want to come say hello at the World Series, please don't do it on a break. Wait for you know. Wait for a hand to be folded, and I'll and I'll talk to you. So you actually prefer for folks to come up uh, to the table, establish that you're not in a hand, and then uh, make some eye contact or say hi that way instead. Well, yeah. I mean, if those like so, my choices are one of two, right? I'm always playing, or I'm, or I'm on break. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I know that people, you know, they're only going to get their moments. Someone drives from Ohio, they want to come and take a picture for their son, or they want to get a baseball hat signed, whatever the case may be. I'm happy to do it. And for me, functionally. I've found that the, the best time for me to do that is, you know, poker, I'm playing 12, 14 hours a day. Right. Usually in the beginning, I know what's going on and I can, I can zone out for five, 10 minutes and chat with people. Right. But, you know, as I sort of established those breaks for me specifically, you know, and a couple other, maybe of the high profile players, you know, and that's partly why the RV thing became a thing in the first place. Phil Ivey was the first one to do it. And he's like, I just need a place to not be bothered mm-hmm. 10 minutes to, you know, calm down. And I was like, man, this is a great idea. And I did it every year since. So having a green room, like a lot of people say, well, why don't you just get a room there? That would be great, except it's a 15 minute break and it's a 12 minute walk. <laughs> so, it doesn't really help, you know, like yeah. oh, get a room for what? I'm not sleeping, there, you know? Yeah. Good point. Uh, Chris. Yeah, no, I mean, this is kind of a, I just kind of want to jump in on this note. I mean, uh, there was a little bit of like uh, uh, some, I forget how this even started. Somebody on Twitter, I think one person was complaining like that you didn't say hi to them or you didn't take a picture with them. And then all these people rushed to sort of defend and say, actually, Daniel is asked all the time to like, I get constantly asked to take pictures, take selfies, take all these kind of things. And he's one of the most generous people with his time during, you know, these playing sessions and that kind of thing. And I'm just, I'm wondering like, how much does that, how do you, how do you keep up with that? And how much does that tax you during a playing session to have all these requests and, you know, people wanting the photo and wanting the autograph and wanting that moment that they drove from Ohio to see, you know, their favorite famous poker player, but how do you stay true to that, but also like find the time for yourself? uh, No, I totally get it. And I remember the tweet you're talking about. It was essentially, I was responding to some guy who says, hey, like, you know, during the World Series, I hope to come meet you and maybe we can go have lunch, right? And okay, of course, obviously, this is a stranger during the World Series. So I said, honest, just being fully transparent, I don't have meals with anybody during the World Series, like not even my friends. So that's going to be a no. But, you know, of course, I'll say hi. So somebody chimed in and was like, what a, you know, how that's a BS answer, Daniel. Like, how do you not take time for your fans? I'm like, bro, if I had lunch with every person that came up, I would never get to play. But to actually answer your question, 
it goes back to the sacred pump. Same thing they're talking about, which is my breaks. Like, in, let's say if I bust a tournament, I take a couple hours alone. You know, I'll lay down on the couch, I'll screw around on the internet, and just like, not until I'm ready do I jump back into the next one. And then, you know, I like I said, I really make sure to make the most out of those 15 minutes every two hours, so that you know I can expend the energy necessary to both play at a high level, and then you know be friendly to people. Because here's what you don't realize: I think a lot of people don't, is that everyone has a bad day. Not everybody's happy all the time, right? However, when you're someone that's in the limelight, you don't really have that luxury in the same way. And I'll tell you why. You have a bad day. One person who I like, obviously, we use the Ohio guy who drove up, and you don't handle that well, right? Where that one person's like, man, what an asshole he is, right? That's the narrative that they go to the internet with, and it blows up, and all of a sudden, that's who you are, which is completely unfair, right? But it's a, it's, it makes me mindful of the fact that, like, you know, in these moments, I always have to be on because this might be this person's one and only opportunity to say hello. So whatever impression I make on that person, that's going to be the lasting one that they leave with. So I do my best to make sure it's like a positive one, you know, and, and give them the amount of time that I think I can, you know, and obviously that's not going to be a lunch with everybody who comes to Vegas. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> good, good answer. Uh, Woody's got a question here too. Go ahead, Woody. Yeah, Daniel, I'm Woody. I was just thinking about kind of, um, your breaks and my breaks, and they're a lot different. <laughs> like when when I'm on a when I'm on a break, I'm uh like calling my friend and saying like, okay, I had queens here, and this is this, and I'm like detailing a specific hand, and I might take ten minutes to do that over a hand. I don't know if that's the best use of my time. Could you think about on those 15 minutes, like, do you have a pattern? Do you say like, okay, the first 90 seconds I'm going to do, do you have a pattern on like how you spend that micro amount of time? I do. And it's partly like, so what you just described, you know, talking to your friend for 10 minutes, that's essentially what I do on my breaks, except I'm doing it into a phone and I'm doing it on my vlog, which is available daily on YouTube. Right. So I essentially on breaks do like a little summary, you know, whether it's just like, oh, you know, last couple levels didn't get anything going. My chips went from this, this, or I'll go to the RV or my place and do like a hand breakdown for everyone, you know, to enjoy. And I think there's value in that. What you're doing, I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's actually valuable to allow yourself to sort of like check in and be like, all right, this hand just happened, right? If you have a friend that, you know, you respect, maybe he points something to you. Like, oh, you know, you could have check raised there. Ooh, I didn't think of that. So there's value. So essentially what you're doing is, I think it's important though, like, like again, if your break is 15 minutes, I might cut that down to like five to seven, just so that you have some time for yourself to kind of like be away from it for a minute, right? Because the mind, here's the thing, the way that I grind, you know, I'm playing six, seven weeks in a row, nonstop. The mind can't go at hundred percent, 24 seven. There's going to be moments you need to break, right? And just relax. Sometimes I do that in the early stages. I'll go on autopilot. I've been playing poker a long time. I might just be like, all right, I'll just ABC it for a minute, check out because my brain needs that, right? And that way, you know, I can ramp up when we're down to three tables, two tables and really get in there and go to war. But I, I don't think what you're doing is, is bad. I think, you know, decompressing is very, very helpful, especially at the end of your sessions too. Like I would almost like note, you know, write those hands down on a notepad. And then at the end of the session, maybe talk to those friends or just go over those hands and really think about them more deeply. And you'll find that, uh, when you go to sleep, you wake up, you know, refreshed, like, cause the mind is an interesting computer, if you will. There's like clear evidence that, you know, you know, thinking of these things, studying these things, going to sleep 
allowing your body to reset and your mind to reset. You wake up in the morning and whatever concept that you wanted to drill home that you want to learn from and not make the same mistake, that's going to sit with you a lot better, you know, at least by like having that decompress rather than just not even thinking about the hand anymore. Nice. That's a great answer. We've got a couple questions coming up in the YouTube chat here. Um, so Troy Chapman, who's calling in from Australia, says, listen out for the Aussie accents, D-Negs. Um, and it wants to know who wins the NHL this year. Bit of a tangent. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, I watch all the playoffs. It's good. It's a great year. There's a lot of like really good teams in the, in the hunt. I don't know who's going to win, if I'm being honest. Like it could be, <laughs> uh, you know, there's several teams that absolutely could. There's a couple dark horses that I like. And I like, I always like the dark horses. You can pick the easy ones, but that's no fun. Mm-hmm. St. Louis is my dark horse pick because they're built for the playoffs. So, uh, blues fans, obviously if you get by Colorado, that's, that's a big test. You're not supposed to, but I'm, I would bet the plus three twenty nine and take St. Louis, which I have. There you go. Um, I've got a question. Uh, when you were coming up in the game, obviously you were playing a lot. You were learning about poker um, cast your mind back to those days, uh, Daniel, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, what were the techniques and strategies that you used to study or to learn the game or to get better at the game? What, what did you do to get better? Yeah, well, some of the stuff that I, I already sort of touched on, which is I would write the hands down or make sure that I knew what I like the hand that I wanted to visit later. And typically back then, you know, you didn't have the resources that you have today. We had some. So I would talk to friends like Phil Ivey, John Juwanda, Alan Cunningham, you know, when we do dinners and I'd ask them how they would play the hands and then we would sort of brainstorm a little bit sometimes. And that, that, that's one way in which I would do that. In addition to that, there was very primitive, like software, like Mike Carroll's poker probe that say, for example, in a stud eight or better game, I could run simulations on, you know, what hands would be what it would take forever, but it, you know, still worthwhile. But for the most part, me, for me, it came down to making mistakes, right? Mm. Here's the thing. Like if you're a poker player, you're going to make this like you're going to make lots of mistakes. Now look at these mistakes instead of being upset with yourself. Look at this and think, "Wow, this is awesome. This is an opportunity for a breakthrough." So I had yes. this problem, I have no idea, I didn't know what to do. So let's break it down. Because really, a breakdown leads to a breakthrough, right? When these when you make these mistakes, it opens up the like here I've said this before, but the truth is, making the mistake is not the mistake. Learning nothing from that mistake is the real mistake, right? You have to dig deep. Every time you get busted from a tournament, sure, you could focus on the hand where you had your aces cracked. What value in there is that? How about let's look back and go, how did you get in that position in the first place? Right? Was there any more pots you could have won? There was a raise and a call. Were they light? Could you have maybe squeezed there with your hand, picked up some extra chips? There's no point in spending a lot of time on guy raised with kings. I went all in with aces and he called. What, what's, what's the value there? It's just you, the value is in the intricate spots, the subtle ones, the, 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 the trench wars, you know, the little small things, small blind versus big blind. Could I bet the turn maybe, you know, little things. That's where you really start to fine tune your game. If you look at it like golf, for example, when someone takes up golf, the first goal is hit the damn ball, right? <laughs> That's difficult, right? Second goal is like hit the ball in the air, right? Third goal is try to hit it where I'm aiming, right? And you go all the way up to the pros who continually miss shots because what they're doing when they're a hundred yards out, they are trying to sink that shot. They don't, but notice that their mistakes become fewer and fewer, and the, the mistakes they're looking to fix are smaller and smaller. So as you get better in poker, right, you start out making all kinds of dumb mistakes. You play seven-deuce offsuit because you don't know it's a bad hand. Then you're like, you learn, okay, don't play seven-deuce offsuit, right? You know, then, then you start to, like, fine-tune things and, you know, get better and better, and that all comes from making mistakes. 
And I think that mindset is fantastic because I think people are kind of, they get embarrassed about making mistakes or they feel ashamed because they didn't do something right. But it's the only way to learn. How else are you going to learn if it's not by doing something wrong and learning the lesson from it? No, you're absolutely right. You know, like being critical of yourself is important, like being self-aware, but at the same time, you don't want to be hard on yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you made a mistake that you know is a mistake because you've already worked on it, you know, and you've made this mistake before, you can sort of go, come on, Daniel, get it in gear. You know, you're supposed to make this play here and you didn't. And I do that still today, less than I used to. But again, looking at a situation later and go, ah, there was a better play available. Okay, cool. It didn't come to me in the moment, but let's break it down so that next time I'm, you know, next time I'm faced with this, I'm better prepared. Cause that's how poker, that's how you get better. You see the same situations over and over and over and over mm. to the point where it's like, you know, automatically what to do here. You don't have to worry about, I don't know. What do I do? I got ace nine. Hey, help me. <laughs> well, I know Chris has another question, but I can't turn down that segue. So now that you're in a whole different, you know, realm of poker strategy than you were before, uh, how do you now identify areas where you need to improve and then find ways to actually improve your game at this level? Well, one of the things that I worked hard with when I was playing the heads up challenge was I worked extensively with solvers, but mm. that was for heads up poker. So what I was able to do is I took the, the I took what I learned from solvers and learning about game theory. And I combined that with my, you know, 20 plus years experience to sort of learn how to exploit people even better. So for me, my number one study tool for the most part is poker. Go I highly recommend mm. it. if you're, you know, if you're a serious poker player studying what my opponents are doing and what I'll do is I'll look for patterns because everyone's afraid of this GTO term. Dun, dun, dun. Like, Ooh, <laughs> oh, what if they play GTO? No human being. Okay. Listen to me. No human being will ever play GTO. It is actually impossible. You can never do it. So everyone's going to have tendencies one way or the other. So I still look to see what some of the tendencies. I remember in one of the recent series, I'm like, I, I picked up about four or five specific things I noticed as a trend from the regs. I made notes of it, okay? This is what I want to do in these spots, okay? I made about three, four mistakes in the first week. All four mistakes that I made were not trusting the notes mm. that I made. Like one of my notes says, if you see the situation, go all in. And I didn't do it. it. was the right play, you know? And it was always that, but that's okay. And I wasn't too hard on myself because for the most part, I put that stuff into practice and it worked really, really well. I just didn't commit to it fully. But anytime you try something new on, you're a little hesitant. Like a golf swing. We'll go back to golf. But like, so, you know, you get a golf coach and they say, you got to completely change your swing. Well, you're hesitant. You know, you're like, I don't know. Does Really? Oh, okay. But it takes a while to really just wear it and, and, and be comfortable with it. Yeah, that's, we talk about golf as an analogy for poker all the time. And, you know, the mistakes get smaller and, and less frequent. And it becomes a game of just making fewer mistakes than your opponents, you know, and letting them, uh, letting them make the mistakes. Uh, Chris, do you have something? Well, I, this is a slightly changing subject, but it kind of has to do with GTO and, and solvers and that kind of thing. I, you know, I think one of the hot topics in poker lately has been um, RTA and cheating allegations. And I don't want to bring any names into this, but just like what, as a, as a player in the high stakes community, who's, who's been involved in that all of the place, how, uh, how do you feel about uh, the game's integrity right now? And are there things that, that we can do to help, uh, help solve that or create a, a healthier game? Yeah, so we'd be fooling ourselves if we didn't admit that like poker has always had from the from its outset the element of people wanting to cheat, right? That's not new. 
that's been around hundreds of years, ever since the beginning, you know, holding out cards, all this kind of stuff. What's changed is the sophistication of the cheats has elevated through technology and different things like that, specifically for online. So it becomes a cat and mouse game between, you know, the, the site and the cheats, right? And every time the cheats come up with something, the site has to be up to, up to par. So I think you can look at this sort of scandal that was released. Uh, really, the information was released in 2020 about, you know, a group of people being banned. Like, you can look at that two ways. You can look at it, one, oh, my God, people are cheating. Or two, you can go, they got caught, right? And that's a good thing, right? So, like, them re- revealing that information to you lets you know that, like, they're on it. Like, they're searching it. Now, is that going to stop the next guy? Every, you know, you're going to curb cheating forever, the fact that they're on it? No. People are always going to try to circumvent the system when there's money on the line. So what we can do as a group, I think, going forward, and there's been talk of this, I think there's going to be a lot of bright side with this, is that, you know, there are some people that were named that we know pretty much are cheats, right? And they're starting to get banned now from some live events. So if you look at a guy who, you know, here's the problem with poker hat. So this guy gets caught cheating over here in Atlanta. Okay. So then he just goes to Baltimore, plays there, big deal, right? If you can start to slowly but surely limit the number of options they have, you know, that that starts to take a toll on, you know, on these people and helps clean up the game. But it's always going to be an issue, right? Like people are always going to try whatever they can. You know, not everyone's like, you know, got a great moral standing, in, you know, in anything, right? Like what industries are not people trying to cheat if there's money available? Yep. Good point. I mean, human's going to human. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, Mark, you had a, a WSOP question uh, for Daniel, didn't you? Yeah, kind of a two-parter, I guess. Uh, you play a huge schedule of events. So the first part would be, which event are you most looking forward to? And then kind of on the other side of a coin, which, what type of event would you recommend for rec players? Okay, great. So first of all, for me, I'm a mixed game guy. I love mixed games. And my favorite event, I've wanted to win this damn thing. I have not yet, but I will is the Poker Players Championship, which is a eight-game, now I think it's nine-game mix. And it's got a very slow structure. The blinds go up like every two hours. You get a lot of chips. It's like a five-day event. And I get emotionally invested in that, okay? When I play poker, normally I'm even keel. In that one, I lose one hand and I go Phil Hellmuth. I'm like, oh, I don't say things to people and whatnot. But, you know, but I would suggest for, for recreational players, here's the thing. If there's one event that you want to target, the World Series of Poker, and give yourself sort of like the best chance to like potentially have a life-changing experience, go for the mystery bounty tournament. Mm. Okay. Cause a mystery bounty tournament, like these have really caught on and strategically, you know, there's things you should do a little differently. Like you should try to hit, you know, bust people a little more, but like you could just knock somebody out and then boom, you've won $250,000. So I think from a fun perspective, from also level the playing field perspective, right? Like obviously if you were playing in a tournament with a bunch of pros, a mystery bounty tournament increases your chances of, you know, winning overall. So I would highly recommend those. They're fun. Like I said, um, you know, and, uh, you know, they're like, they're better value, I think for a recreational player, for sure. Nice. And I think there is a lot of buzz about that. Uh, it has been an exciting feature and I think it is better for amateur players because you kind of get to, you're not giving up a skill edge when it comes to choosing a bounty envelope out of the uh, cage. Right. So. Yeah, anytime. So that's the thing. Like when it comes to games, if the skill edge is too big, it destroys the game. Like chess is a mm. good example, right? If you and I played chess, I don't know mm. if you're good or not. If you're better than me, you just win every time. That's not that fun for me, right? Whereas, like, you know, with poker, obviously, you know, luck plays a role. And when you can increase luck 
and you can, you know, sort of level the playing field in that regard, it makes it for a more fun and engaging experience for all. It's good for pros because more recreationals will play, but it's also better for recreationals because they're going to win more often. Hmm. I got a couple of questions coming in uh, from YouTube here. I got a great one from Kim though. Um, what do you feel about late registration versus playing from the start? I guess, especially when it comes to some of these uh, bigger live tournaments, uh, you're tra- kind of trading the experience of day one, let's say with the uh, just guaranteed chip stack on day two. What's your take on that? Yeah. So for me, I'll tell you the way that I approach it for the big events. I always try to show up right on time if possible, you know, unless I'm in another event, then I have no choice. And I always make sure that, you know, in between events, I need an hour or two to reset. So I'll late reg a little bit. Having said that, late reg benefits some people more than others, right? So as a recreational player, late regging actually increases your ROI. If you max late reg, you know, for example, and jump in on a day two um, versus sitting from day one with a bunch of pros who each pick you apart. You, which means you're probably unlikely to make day two all that often. And when you do, you probably won't even have more chips than you start. So re- so oddly enough, max late reg or you know extended late reg benefits recreational players more. Having said that, though, from the experience perspective, like I think recreational players, for the most part, they kind of want to play, right? You don't just want to show up with like 10 big lines and be like, I'm all in. But <laughs> you, you want to play from the early set. But I will say this, like a lot of people are concerned. They're like, oh, you know, these top pros late regging, it's not fair. That's better for you, way better for you, because here's what happens. Sure, you know, they get to skip the early levels, but like on average, say, for example, me, if I jump in on day two, I'll have, let's say, whatever, the 10 big blinds. On average, if I sign up on time, I'm going to have way more than 10 big blinds. I'm going to have way more. So overall, your EV goes down when I show up on time. You, you do better if every pro just jumped in on day two and had 10 bigs. Sure, some of these pros are going to double up and they're going to win or whatever, but overall their ROI shrinks. Whereas the rec, so it's as simple as like, it's just an EV calculation, right? If you're a losing player at the table, right? At from, from the first hand dealt. Okay. By day two, you're likely to, you know, be losing. Whereas if you just jump in on day two, you're likely to have more chips on average than you would have if you sat down early. But again, I think the bigger picture thing here is most recreationals that I talk to, or maybe you guys can disagree with me. If you, they're there for the experience, they want it to be fun. And you get more play in the early levels. And that's definitely a better experience. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, going back to YouTube here, um, Troy says, uh, in response to your earlier point, is that why a lot of pros seem to be moving into mixed games so that they can maintain a larger skill edge as more of us kind of get no limit, hold them a little more figured out? Do you think that's true? I don't think that's directly the reason. I think generally speaking, like when people play one game and like they see other games available, they're like, it's fun and it's interesting to learn new games. For most no limit hold'em players, the first game they learn is Pop Limit Omaha. It's a big game mm-hmm. or whatever. But you know, a lot of them. And then the other reasoning too, I think, is when you see like high stakes games during the World Series at Bobby's Room or whatever, you're not gonna, you know, you're gonna get a lot of these big mix games with some weaker players. And if you don't know how to play them, well, you can't play. So I think for for the most part, it's fun to learn mixed games, and I'm glad to see it. You know, I'm happy to see it. But uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're doing a big emphasis on mixed games this year with a new mixed game theme every month and uh, members can come and learn how to play various nights throughout the week because it is more fun. And I, you know, I think there's there's a future of poker there in a way that uh, uh, maybe won't be for the same way for No Limit Hold'em or at least for, for No Limit Hold'em online. Um, okay, so another one from Troy here. And this is a question that maybe I'll put two questions into one, Daniel. Um, do you have any suggestions for how to manage large field MTTs where minefields are everywhere. This is from Troy. 
And I guess my the, the other half of that question would be, um, what are some common mistakes that recreational players make in these kind of circumstances that maybe we can just, if we can just stop ourselves from making a few of these mistakes, maybe we can uh, get a little further. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you coupled those two questions together because they sort of, the answer I have encompasses both of those things. The first question I would have for you, and I want you to actually think about this, okay? When you play in these tournaments, I want you to genuinely think like, what is your goal in this term? Like, mm. what do you want from this experience, right? Like, what are you going in your mindset? Are you, do you really want to win? Do you just want to cash or do you want to just last like a long time? Because depending on what you want to get out of this experience, that should heavily influence how you choose to play, right? So if you're playing to win this tournament, who cares if you're all in on the first hand? Boom. So what? You know, you're trying to win and you know, you, you have ace king, they have two sixes. Let's go. Let's gamble. Right. So, but so on that note, I would say the biggest mistake that I see a lot of like recreational players make is around that area near the money bubble where they just knit it up too much and they don't understand the dynamic enough, especially if they have a medium sized stack, right? Like, or better, if you have a big stack, you can be the bully. Um, and also just, you know, overly just getting kind of run over because you're just trying to make the money right now. If you take the Alan Kessler approach, which is try to min cash in tournaments long-term, it's not a winning proposition. <laughs> it just isn't like, sure. You are going to make the money more often by playing that way. But when you do, you're going to sit there with like seven big blinds and you're really going to like hamper your, your opportunity to actually win. So I would say that overall, the biggest mistake amateurs make is not going forward enough, not being aggressive enough, not running huge bluffs enough. Okay. Because mm. most amateur players don't do that. Most rec players don't like, you know, bet flop, bet turn all in on river with air against like a pro. They get scared. Oh, I check, I check. And pros know this. So what pros do is they overfold, right? Mm. So against an amateur, they'll be like, all right, if you were a pro, I might call you here because you could be bluffing. But listen, I know Jim's not bluffing this spot. He doesn't have him. <laughs> he doesn't have the guts. Yeah. He doesn't have the guts to risk his firm love. So being that kind of player also just makes you way tougher to play against. And you notice that these types of players, sure, sometimes they run out of chips really quickly. Like Vanessa Selps, a perfect example. Vanessa Selps, you used to see her, she'd be out first five minutes, whatever. But when she made it, boom, mm -hmm. you couldn't see her face because she's hiding behind a big wall of chips. <laughs> right? Well, I'll, t I'll take a little segue there too. So you're in the World Series of Poker main event and someone sits down at your table with a recreational poker badge on, um, how are you going to take advantage of them and what should they be doing to sort of differently to, you know, play defense and get, get the most out of the table strategically? I'm going to be way more aggressive and exploit like when they're in the big blind. Cause I find Rex generally overfold in the big blind overall, I'm going to look for excuses to play pots against you, mm -hmm. especially if I have position. And then I'm going to try to exploit you post flop, which is what I've been doing for a very, very long time against the specific player in that they're, when they're playing to ABC, it just makes it easy on me. Okay. That <laughs> right? I love that. So essentially more check rate. If you're a rec player, the best way to exploit me, more check raising, more three betting pre-flop more like, uh, you know, large, large sizing on turns and stuff like that to really, you know, push the envelope check. Like I said, check raising, that's going to be really, really tough to play against when a rec does that. Typically what you see a rec do is they, they play their hand pretty straightforward. If they have something on the turn, they bet. And if they don't, they check. Get away from that. Also, set some traps, okay? So instead of just always betting the turn or raising the turn when you have it, check. Slow play those spots. 
because what that does is it looks like bait. And often a pro like myself will be like, well, all right, well, if Jim had a really good hand here, he's always betting the turn. So I know he can't have any of these nutted hands because Jim would always bet those hands, right? And it's probably true in a lot of cases. So when you don't, so when, so when you don't bet, I know you can't have any of that stuff, which allows me to steal a bunch of pots from you. That's like, that's where solvers and that sort of thing really comes into play in terms of learning how to balance your ranges and spots. Pros will really look, they'll look at your range like a, like, you know, like as you've seen in a diagram and a chart. And when you make specific plays, they eliminate certain holdings from your hand, from your possibilities, right? Making sure that you have a wide range of hands and spots makes you way more difficult to play against. Like one of the things I do, it worked on high stakes poker this, one of these last episodes is check the turn with a hand that you're probably supposed to bet almost always. And my opponent knows that. So he knows that when I check, I don't have that. So he went all in on the river and I was able to snap call because he didn't believe that I could have a strong enough range to call. Nice. And, and definitely, you know, pros and experienced players, one thing they're so much better at is identifying weakness. Uh, you know, when you create a moment, when you uh, reveal the weakness of your hand, that's kind of inviting some abuse by some of those more experienced players. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. Great answer. Um, I've got a couple more questions here. Uh, so if anyone else has any other, get them in quick and then we'll uh, send Daniel back out into the world. Um, one uh, from Joe here in the chat says, Mr. Negrin, what advice would you have for people suffering from Tourette's to deal with their symptoms when they can't control them, particularly in games when they're being watched intently? Well, that's an interesting question for somebody who actually has Tourette's. I've had Tourette's since I was about five or six years old. It's been relatively mild. Um, it was much more of a problem when I was younger. And as I got older, um, it became less of a problem. And what's interesting is just you bringing up Tourette's makes me think about mm. my own right now. So it's like a trigger, frankly, mm. like a little bit. So <laughs> when I see somebody else with Tourette's, when I see somebody else with it, it triggers mine. So I try not to look at them. I mean, it's, right. it's really brutal to have to do that. But I don't have like, unfortunately, like an easy answer other than, um, you know, what worked for me, which is like really just trying to avoid the subject as much as possible and not be thinking about it all the time. Because like I said, anytime someone brings it up, like I'm already thinking about blinking my eyes twitching my arms and all those things. And I'm holding myself back from doing it right now, mm -hmm. right? So it's not an easy thing. As far as how that affects you at the poker table, I wouldn't worry about it too much because unless your Tourette's is specifically triggered when you're bluffing, you know, <laughs> it's not going to be, you know, it could actually just throw people off. You know, like I've been, I've done that before. I'm blinking profusely and people are like, oh man, he must be bluffing. I'm like, no, I'm just having a Tourette's right now. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. And I know Joe also uh, appreciates that. That's a great, uh, a great thing to, for him to be able to ask you about. Um, I've got uh, just a question. So, I, like I said, I grew up in Toronto. You've been this Canadian poker celebrity for a long time. Um, you started as kid poker. I'm sure it feels like a long time ago. Um, and now you're Dean Eggs. And talk to me a little bit about sort of how is Dean Eggs different from kid poker? Do, does it feel different? Do you feel different? What, what, what do those two characters have in common and what makes them distinct? Yeah, that's an interesting question. They're both me, right? Yeah. Both me. But like, for sure, I would say that, uh, you know, like kid poker, um, was probably a lot more controversial and, you know, mm -hmm. aggressive and, you know, making a big deal out of things that I wouldn't now just, that's, that's something that comes with wisdom and age. And I think now I would say this, I would say like, generally speaking, when you're in your twenties, people may say, I don't care what anybody thinks about you. That's they're lying. Like if you're in your twenties, you care what others think. Okay. In your thirties, you still care, but you care a little bit less. I found that in my forties, 
I hope that I'm allowed to say this, but I actually give zero fucks at this yes. point. Okay? <laughs> like, I just don't give a shit. If you don't like me, great. That's fine. You do you. I'm going to live my life authentically. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to do the things that I enjoy without, without just with coming to the realization that whatever feels like a big deal right now will pass. It's not that the poker drama dun, 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 that you get sucked into and stuff like that. I've learned to just laugh at it, not let it affect me so much and just uh, have the wisdom and peace of mind to know that I'm, listen, I got the dream life. I got my wife that I've always wanted. You know, I have my, the beautiful puppies. I got the house I wanted. I've got, you know, I won, I won the game. So there's no point like, uh, you know, getting involved in like all the small stuff. That's so true, man. Uh, and I think, you know, giving fewer F's is kind of one of the things that we should all be doing, honestly, uh, in, in today's world. I always try and think about like a year from now, when I look back on this week, is this going to be one of the things that actually bothers me or that seems like a big deal then? Because if it's not, how important can it really be today? Uh, right. And, you know, sorry to touch on that real quickly, because it's interesting. Because like, as we get older, like what bothers us changes too, right? Like mm. what, what you think as a teenager is the end of the world. Cause you know, Johnny and Bill called you fat and they didn't like your outfit. Like that is their world right then. But as this big as it gets. So for them is it is, it is as big as like losing your house and your job in a fire when you're in your forties. Right? Like when you're a child, when you're a baby and someone steals your toy car, that's like the end of the world for you. That's, that's, that's your world. But as you get older, you start to like, like you said, you learn that like, you know what, that stuff really wasn't all that important. But in the moment, again, obviously, you know, it's all that matters to you. Yeah. All right, we got one from Keith and one from Woody, and then we're going to be coming right up on uh, the time that you gave us today. So I really appreciate that, uh, Daniel. Keith, jump in. Yeah, uh, Daniel, what kind of advice do you have for someone who is working full time right now, but uh, is planning on having uh more time for poker, they're going to retire or whatever in the next couple of years. How would you say that someone like that should prepare? Prepare for what? For playing poker full-time or all the time, whereas right now they're working full-time. Okay, so you're saying then, you know, you're planning on not work, you're going you're going to be continuing to work full-time, or you said more time is going to be opening up for you? Uh, in a couple of years, I'm going to retire. But whether it's somebody who's going to retire or somebody who's considering going pro, but they're working right now, what kind of advice would you have for someone like that to prepare themselves? Okay. So first and foremost, yeah, I would say that really important to like, take it slow. Like even if just because you can afford, for example, playing in a $25,000 buy-in tournament doesn't mean that's where your starting point should be. Right. Just like a video game. You don't start at level seven, you start at level one and then you beat level one and you go to level two. So start by playing in the smaller limit games where you're going to be at much like at a at much closer to your talent, your skill level. Right. And as you start to progress in that, you know, then you can start considering maybe moving up. And in addition to that, I really believe heavily in like having sort of a group or a study group or people that you trust that you can bounce ideas off, whether that's a coach or whether that's like a study group. I think that's very beneficial. And within that, you guys decide, you know, which ways in which you learn best, right? Solvers and all that sort of stuff. That's at the very, very high end. It's not necessary at the, at the, at the intermediate level, still can be helpful in learning how, you know, different ways to think about poker, but it also, I'm going to warn you, it can be very intimidating. I remember when I first started with this, I'm like, what the hell? I've been playing poker 25 years. I don't even get it. You know, and I'm like, well, that's a, that's not good. If I don't get it, how the hell is the average person going to get it? But, you know, I gave it a little time and I, you know, I started to, it started to, you know, download in my mind, but take it slow, start small, and then also be very like vigilant with your record keeping so that you can actually see your progress. So that way you're not guessing on how you think you're doing. And you can actually say, no, this is the reality of the situation. Nice. Um, 
Woody had one question. Uh, do you have a few specific routines in your life that have helped you the most? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, for me, I'm pretty regimented with my time. I wake up at the same time. I go to bed at the same time and I do the same things almost every day. And the first one is just like first thing in the morning, I drink a lot of water. Okay. Mm -hmm. I drink, I drink like a big, one of these guys of water first thing in the morning. And then I just do like a literally five minutes. I hang from a, the total, I I hang from a bar. I do six pull-ups or 10 pull-ups or whatever. I'll do some push-ups. I'll do some pull-ups. Uh, some crunches. And then I do like a back extension exercise just to wake up. And I make that a pattern. And, you know, it's something that I do every single day. Um, I also obviously try to eat like, you know, eat really clean and eat well for the most part, you know, and exercise and sort of have a plan. I I like to think ahead in terms of regimenting my days and and my structure and having like a, like a, uh, a goal out way out there that I'm actually working towards. And I enjoy the process. I enjoy, you know, I enjoy doing that. So for me, you know, health and fitness plays a role and it starts from wake up, you know, through the end of the day. And I try to like, like I, I weigh myself every day. Like right now I'm counting calories during the world series. I let it all fly, baby. <laughs> I went through the whole food. You know what? I, I will. I let it all fly. Like I'm coming, I'm going to come in and shape 155 pounds spelt lean, but I got, I went, I spent $300 at whole foods. I bought chocolate, popcorn, chips, uh, candy, nothing that you would think of as nutritious. Cause I know that, you know, during the world series, I'm going to, I'm just going to do whatever I feel like I need to in the moment. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, I love hearing you talk about how valuable it is to have a community of folks to learn with and to share questions with and to learn from each other's perspective. Obviously, that's what we do here all the time. Uh, there's Every night, we've got a different kind of conversation or ways for people to engage. And so um, if people are hearing Daniel talk about this, you know, is, don't, don't just take it from me, folks. Uh, this is an important way to learn and get better as a player. So uh, c- come and join up for free. Um, speaking about community, so Daniel, you've got a charity thing coming up this weekend. I know you're involved in a few ex- uh, wonderful exploits on that front, like St. Jude's is a great cause. Um, why don't you tell some folks just a little bit about how they can support that and other ways that they can um, reach out to you or, or anything that you're working on right now that you're really interested in sharing with the world? Yeah, no, St. Jude is something that I created, um, what, I don't know, five, six, I can't remember how many years ago, but we created this idea from nothing, just from scratch, where I wanted to create like a celebrity poker tournament for, you know, to benefit St. Jude, because they didn't have anything like that. So we really started from scratch. I was co-chair with another woman named Tanya. We, we connected with the St. Jude's chapter and we started to just build it from scratch and be like, all right, got to find a venue. We got to find prize. We got to find all this stuff. And so we had to sort of BS our way through that a little bit, you know, because people always want to know like, all right, well, what's your venue? I'm like, oh yeah, we got this. We didn't really have it, but we pretended we did. <laughs> you know, we got these prizes. We got this donated. We didn't really have it yet, but you know, you got it. You got to schmooze. You got to do this stuff. So now it's grown and, you know, obviously Matt Stout of Charity Series of Poker has taken over, you know, running it, which is great because, you know, I'm just glad to see it being done. And obviously you can support it by attending. And I believe there will be, um, there will be an auction. There'll be a live auction and there will be silent auction items, which I believe will be available online as well. So there's always, you know, those ways that you can support it. But, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a great event. And, I, and I'm really proud of poker as a game in that it has become the number one way to raise money for charities as far mm. as events. You know, it used to be golf, but again, we talked about this. Random people can't just hit a golf ball. Poker, anybody can take their chips and just say all in. So it works. Nice. Well, one of our members, uh, Joe, in the chat here is involved in uh, charity poker tournaments quite a bit. And we do talk about that time from time to time, how that's kind of like becoming the the new way to, to do it. So 
all the, all the better for us. I think that's fantastic. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for sharing this time with us today. I know it's been a hit for our members. We got some great comments on YouTube here from Troy, Martha, Jim, Joe, uh, a whole crowd uh, saying thank you for coming and sharing this time with us. Uh, one more time, wh- where can people find you? If Where would you prefer that people reach out? Is it on Twitter or the vlog? Uh, what's the best way for folks to make a connection? Well, so where I'm most active is Twitter. I mean, I do have Instagram and all that stuff, but I'm real kid poker on Twitter. And I think, you know, the best way to just sort of live vicariously through me is via my YouTube channel where, you know, I do a lot of hand breakdown videos. And during the World Series, we will be doing daily vlogs, you know, which will be in your, you know, in your, in your inbox, probably around 10 a.m. Pacific every day. Um, in addition to that, you'll, you'll have a chance at pocketfives.com. Oh, yeah. To buy little pieces of me. I offer, I'm just going to offer a little sweat. I already did for the overall package. So there's nothing available there. But, you know, when I play these big events, you know, you'll have your opportunity to put up 20 bucks or 50 bucks and, you know, you can sweat along with me and then you get to watch the vlog the next day if you can avoid spoilers and find out how your money went. I love it. The micro sweat. I'm so down for that. That's a fantastic way to do it. Uh, well, Daniel, thank you again. We're going to head on over to our community corner and talk about who won the latest home games and some upcoming events. But uh, I'm just, so pleased to have had this chance to talk to you and i hope we get a chance to hook up uh when we're both down in vegas i'll make sure to do it at your table while you're not in the hand i promise much appreciated thanks for listening jim i appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) all right well thanks again enjoy the rest of your night and uh all the best to you man i can't wait for next time all right man take care everybody good luck cheers thanks a lot daniel all right. Well, we've got uh, we're one John Somsky short today, but that doesn't mean that we can't just roll right into the home game results anyway. So taking it from the top on. Uh, let me see. Do we have two weeks to go through this one? Let's just I think we do. Um, Uncle Tom's Cabin. That's Jeff S. Mike Buccello, Lefty 19. Roger Shooty, Graphics 16. Roger doesn't get enough of a shout out on the show. He does so much here uh, helping us with our podcast post-production and that sort of thing. He's just a super fun guy and he supports great causes. So Roger, way to go. Also, Roger, I'm sorry I took you out of the home game last week, but I got a full house with pocket fives. I did it for Chris. There was nothing. My hands were tied. My hands were tied. I almost typed for Chris into the chat when I did it, but what can you do? Um, Oh, Jim Gibson. They let Jim Gibson back into the home game. Oh, boy, there goes the neighborhood. Okay, well, congratulations, Jim. Uh, I hope we get a chance to uh, play a little something in uh, June coming up. Uh, Poker Cat, Naomi Pazul. Way to go, Naomi. Congratulations on your daily win. And then Roger Shooty comes back to win the mixed game event on May 7th. So congratulations, Roger. Wow. Uh, Denise Allen, Denise Aces, won the International Series. William Zasik, Zasik. Uh, came in, Mr. Z uh, won the afternoon series. And then Hazi 08 came through with the Sunday night uh, nightly home game, which is the LPP home game. So Hazi, send me an email, jim at rec.poker, because you, my friend, just won a free month at Learn Pro Poker. And you're going to enjoy that. So uh, don't be shy. Send that email. Um, the following week, just this last week coming up, Randy Smith, Roadstar 33, uh, won the uh, daily series Tournament of Champions and is the proud owner of a brand new silver pin. Uh, Now we play the Tournament of Champions every month, and the final table is recorded by our... (laughs) I was going to make a joke about us having an actual producer who does that kind of thing, but it's just me. I just record the final table. And then um, on the fourth Wednesday of the month, on the fourth Wednesday of the month at 6.30 Central, everyone who makes the final table of the Tournament of Champions, A... Congratulations. You've all won a free month at rec.poker. 
So you're going to hear about it from me because you're invited to the online review and hang. Every month, we take the final table of the Tournament of Champions, we record it, and then we watch back the action with all the finalists who were there, plus anyone else from the panel or from our premium membership that wants to come and join. We talk through the action hand by hand, street by street. So if you're on that table, it's a great chance to get some analysis uh, from the Wrecking Crew and some other premium members about how you're playing. So uh again i'll dm everyone who in the site who made the final table and make sure you've got a code so you can get a free month of rec poker i hope you come and join us on uh the, the last wednesday of the month at 7 30 eastern 6 30 central that'll be a lot of fun uh but that was just the tournament of champions on may 9th elvis 76 steve Kreps uh won the daily uh, Joshua Campbell, Torinar, uh, fantastic guy. We had some fun in the OPA last week. I guess that's the night that he came through on that one. Well done, Josh. Uh, Chris Kerrigan, that's a tough one. CPCE1 won the daily. Diganate Graves, Chris Simino is back in the winner's circle. And Jeff S., Jeff's, Jeff Seedham, uh, Jay Sedham ends up back in here again, along with my buddy B-Chip, Charles Allen. Uh, another Canuckian who's uh, bringing the paint. Actually, is that true? I'm not sure if that's 100% true. Maybe that's not true. All right, Charles, I didn't mean to denigrate you if that's the case, but uh, congratulations on the win. Uh, and then I am so pleased to see this on back to back international series events. Doug Drabeck, Magra 44 himself, wins the morning and the afternoon tournament. And I saw him at Canterbury, too. He had some win or some good finish recently as well. So no surprise there. Magra's on a roll. And Steve's old boss. You know, fun guy. Yeah. Um, May 15th, Mark Bloomberg, Bloop 7. Uh, you won the Learn Pro Poker Sunday event. And as John Somsky likes to say, that means you got to call, you got to email jim at rec.poker to claim your prize. A free month at Learn Pro Poker? What? You get to hang out with Ryan LaPlante and KL Cleeton and all those geniuses over there, get some personal coaching, watch a ton of videos just in time for the WSOP? Holy cow. How do we do it, folks? How do we do it? It's amazing. Um, we did tease at the top of the show. Those are just some of the perks of being a premium member. So if you're a member on June 1st, that's all you got to do. Because on Thursday, June 2nd, on the Twitch stream that Taylor does every Thursday, we are going to, well, Mark Prashan, website Mark, who's here right now, is going to hook us up with a little random number generator. We're going to put all the premium members into the database, and we're going to pull a few names uh, and alternates so that we know who's going to be my partner. For tag team event number 55, Chris, uh, for the WSOP coming up. So someone's going to win a bracelet with me. <laughs> At least we're going to try. We're going to get in. Someone's got to win it. They're not going to like end the tournament until someone wins. So, you know, someone's got to win it. Maybe it's us. Um, that's one of the perks. And we also mentioned uh, Fun Country is a great uh, platform where you can play with your friends. Uh, we're going to be doing some ongoing uh, promotions with them starting on May 31st. So on Tuesday, May 31st, the first nine premium members that sign up are going to be able to play a nine-player sit-and-go uh, with video and audio. It's going to be a fun time. We'll record it and we'll have a good conversation while we're playing. And uh, I, I don't want to – I'll just say, right now, we think the prize is going to be a $50 Amazon gift card. And again, it's free to enter. So just one of the perks of being a premium rec poker member, um, you've got a one in nine shot of winning a $50 Amazon gift card every week. Just come on out on Tuesday nights and uh, play that. We'll see some more um, details about that on the website as we get a little closer, but mark that date off. And, uh, and then, of course, I am super excited, 
super excited about heading down to Minnesota myself. I'm going to get there on Friday. There's a on Friday, June 24th, there is a morning tournament at Running Aces. I think it starts at 10, but we'll we'll get all the details as we get a little closer. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. A bunch of rec poker folks are going to be there. Uh, we're going to all hang out after lunch, um, get something to eat at Running Aces. We'll have a hangout. I am going to hug a lot of people that day. I'll tell you that for sure. I am I am so excited for this. And then there is, I think it's a 6 p.m. start on Friday the 24th, uh, a, a tournament at Running Aces exclusively for rec poker members. So if you're a premium member, you'll get first dibs on a seat. If you're an existing community member, you'll be next in line after that. And But don't worry, folks. If you're not already a Rec Poker member, you can show up that day, sign up for a free community account. All it takes is an email address and a smile and uh, take your seat. And there's going to be some fun prizes for that as well. Um, and of course, it's, it's a real tournament, so you can win the money that <laughs> you would normally win for that. Uh, and then on Saturday, we're doing another tournament, a special uh, Saturday morning tournament. I think it'll start at 930. We'll get the details down for that. Um, anyone can play in that, but it's just going to be full of rec poker people. We'll probably give out some patches, maybe some other prizes and stuff like that there. Um, that's Friday, that's Saturday, the 25th. And then it's going to be a quick turnaround for me and my partner, because on Sunday, the 26th, it's day one of the tag team event down in uh, sunny Las Vegas. So circle that uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend in June, that's 24th through 26th, because it's rec poker weekend at Running Aces, and we are going to have a lot of fun down there. Okay, well, that was a lot of talking by me. Um, Who else has some interesting insights or ideas or thoughts to share? I know uh, at the very least... I have to, oh, we got a shout out to Steve. Yes, of course. And Emmanuel Dukes is joining us here in the YouTube chat, says, I'll be there at Aces. Right on, Emmanuel. I'm looking forward to that. Um, hopefully, we'll get some, uh, we'll get a good turnout and uh, I can put some, I can shake some hands. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I, I, I haven't met a lot of these people, as crazy as that seems. We've been having these weekly poker chats for like three years now, but uh, it's, it's going to be a great time. All right. Well, I gave everyone plenty of opportunities to say what's up. Um, uh, that being said, I got to thank website AMP, our man, Mark Prashan here. Yes, sir. And of course, running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino. Um, Daniel freaking the granite. How about that? How about that? Uh, thanks for everyone who's watching on YouTube. Uh, Joe, Troy, Martha, Jim, Emmanuel. Yeah, you do it, Jim. I'm looking forward to that, buddy. All right. And the listeners, of course. Thank you so much.